0: huskies warming house podcast is also brought to you by the SodaPod, home of mncaa college hockey news and more stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week find them on apple podcasts youtube and other podcast platforms to the Huskies Warming House Podcast, episode one ninety eight, Nick Maxon alongside Noah Grant here on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh Nick, I'm, this one is a rematch from a couple of years ago. Uh I do you have your your preliminary pick, I guess. <clears throat> by the time this show comes out, I I imagine we're going to have our answer, but do you have anybody that, I guess, here's the better question, with two teams who have been there quite a bit in recent, is there anybody you really cheer for, and is it the same team you think is going to win?
2: Oh, boy, how do I answer this diplomatically? Um, (laughs) So, because I'm an Iowa State guy, my heart goes more towards Brock Purdy in San Francisco, I just I don't know it's it's tough to bet against the Chiefs it really is. Um love to see the 49ers win. I think a lot of the country is looking at the Chiefs now as the new Tom Brady, the new New England Patriots. Yeah. So I think there's ironically more of a way for the 49ers than I think there would be normally. Yeah. Um, but um yeah, I know I think it'd be kind of cool to see an Iowa State quarterback win a Super Bowl um also being that he was picked as mr irrelevant i think there's a lot of great storylines there (laughs) and just you know proving people wrong you know he's not a perfect quarterback he's got his flaws but he's endured and he has persevered through all the um the skepticism and probably he's in the right system under kyle shanahan so see if they can I don't know. It's going to come down to their defense trying to stop Mahomes, and more importantly, it's going to be to stop the run. And how can San Francisco find ways to keep the Kansas City defense on the field? I think that's been underrated in terms of what they have done to get themselves here. It's a different Kansas City Chiefs squad. I think they're more complete than years past uh, on both sides of the ball. But as you said, when we comes when this uh, episode does drop, we'll we'll be able to look back on my uh, my my sequence here and go the hell are you talking about? So.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think it might be a close game. I feel like the 49ers maybe actually might have the better offense, which is kind of an odd thing to say because, I mean, Kansas City has been hot in the playoffs, but during the regular season, they weren't exactly a force to be reckoned with. But contrary to years past, Kansas City has had a really good defensive core that is young, but they've matured really quickly. So, um, yeah, it's going to be kind of an interesting little battle. It's it's like a, an okay offense for Kansas city goes against an okay defense for the 49ers and then a really good offense for the 49ers plays a really good defense for Kansas city. So it's going to be interesting to see who can win that battle. I feel like the 49ers win, but I feel like they do it by three. I I, I don't think it's going to be
2: close. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't,
0: I don't think it's going to be a big spread, but we've said that before. And then, you know, Broncos Seahawks. So Seahawks, yeah.
2: uh, <laughs> I was thinking yeah. the exact same. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. No, I'm just hoping for a good game, you know, decent commercials those have fallen down the pit of misery in terms of the quality of the last couple of years but
0: yeah well i well i guess the girlfriend is excited for uh the halftime show and i uh, i it's not because usher's playing i think it, she told me i think justin bieber's in the building yesterday so he got there early and she's 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 hoping that we're gonna see a a, a guest appearance apparently i did i i i kind of just sat there and listened so (laughs) it just seemed like the the best plan for me but uh, speaking of plans here we've got two huskies hockey teams to talk about uh one of which will be off this upcoming week the men will have their bye week coming up in the middle of february here uh and the other team could almost desperately use one unfortunately we'll talk about the women's team as well but uh we'll start on the men's side and we'll start with center su news and notes presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and the soda pod center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com episode 198 nick max and noah grant here in the den and nick um we start on the men's side here uh, a saint cloud team that as we mentioned is going to be off this upcoming week probably not the worst thing in the world maybe they could have used it this past weekend but you know what they, they did all right uh, obviously they they did what they had to do in the nchg as far as standings as far as points um and pairwise yeah
2: certainly and Pair-wise.
0: Yep. yeah certainly i i you know the other you want to talk pairwise. By the way, big upset uh, national scores. I mentioned this in our group chat. How about number fifty six pairwise uh, Saint Lawrence yeah. beating seven Quinnipiac? That's a oof. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's
2: it's a blip. I mean, yeah, that that hurts a bit, but they're going to be fine. If anything, it's going to put a chip on their shoulder. I mean, I, I just can't see them tripping over themselves anymore. I mean, every team has it. I mean. Yeah, they only drop
0: two spots. I mean,
2: yeah, they're going to be fine. So this it's more of what how does the team itself, you know, mentally just be able to put that behind them. Right. It's more of that than anything. Um, You never have a perfect showing, you know, throughout the season. You're never, you know, impenetrable. So, you know, and in theory, you know, if you're going to trip better to happen now you have a couple weeks still left in the regular season to kind of you know get the dirty taste out of your mouth I think they'll be fine
0: yeah I I think the one thing that is interesting as we look at the Huskies sitting now at 14 technically tied for 13th by proxy Uh, the team that they'll have in two weeks Western Michigan is two spots ahead of them right now in 11 Um, this is uh, of course as we've talked about the NCHC when we look at uh, you know standings wise St. Cloud stayed pat with where they needed to and provided themselves some separation, especially with Denver, uh, you know, in, in their spot as well. I think they were off this week, if memory serves.
2: They were, correct. yeah.
0: Correct. So, um, St. Cloud, you know, staying pat with what they had to do. But at the same time, uh, this Miami squad that we've talked about, uh, they— they are not terrible, and I and I know that that sounds odd. Like, what do you mean they're last in the NCHC? Look at the look at the standings that you have pulled up. Only six points for them. The next closest is Duluth at 20, Omaha at 23, Denver CC Western all within that middle mix. St. Cloud improving to 36 points, one point one point behind North Dakota, uh, with two games in hand for the Fighting Hawks. But you know, when we kind of go back on the weekend, these were two hockey games, Nick. That you know, St. Cloud wasn't necessarily you know, they were dominant in terms of the fact that they had much better offensive zone time, but Miami, Mm -hmm. you know, pulled within a goal or two both nights and made things interesting. I mean, it wasn't an easy ride for St. Cloud. I don't think Oxford has been particularly kind to St. Cloud on the road. Uh, I feel like the games are much tighter there than they are necessarily on the, on the bigger ice sheet at home, but Miami, Gave a good showing to North Dakota last weekend and then, you know, gave the Huskies a little bit of fits and made things interesting.
2: Isn't that the sutterism? It's not that you win or lose, it's that how you're winning or losing. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a uh, but in all seriousness, you know, it's I saw in another group chat with us how uh somebody on uh, the Twitter machine was complaining that Arizona state was one of four teams with 20 wins. And how was, how are they ranked out of the top 16? And I just had a laugh inside my own head for that because it's like, again, it's, it's, it's who you're winning against. If you put Stonehill 20 times and made this term argument, Get the fuck out of my face. That's all I'm yeah. going to say about that. Um, not to say that Arizona State isn't a bad hockey squad. That's not what we're saying. But also the pairwise is set up. It isn't perfect, but to take into account the quality of opponents that you're playing. Right. On that same token, to the opposite effect, Miami's record is a bit deceiving. Right. It's just it's it's unfortunate for the Redhawks. We've talked about this time and time again, Noah, on this podcast and how we want to see Miami get better in terms of their record, right? We've seen it over the years past, especially the last couple of years. They've been in hockey games. They've been close. Last weekend was potentially one of those franchise turning moments had they been able to hold off North Dakota, right? You just get the sense that if you're able to get a couple in a row or, you know, get a big opponent and you can get it in however fashion, right? That's the sort of thing that this Miami Red Hawk team needs. And again, it's not like they roll over and play dead. We saw this three or four years ago up at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. It was what, seven, one, eight to two. I mean, scoring is way out of hand. Hussey's got up early and they went into cruise control, right? This is not the same Miami Redhawk squad. It's just unfortunate for them. It is obviously for our St. Cloud fan base. You took care of business. It would have been pretty detrimental to your pairwise standings had you taken a loss on either of these games. But Miami's not a bad squad. Are they great? No. But they're trending in the right direction. They're yep. fighting. You know, they're they're not, shall we say, on the same rise in terms of the speed as, say, we a Colorado College is but they're starting to put some things together and you just get the sense that they get us a, a couple of ones strung together who knows
0: yeah certainly would agree they kind of remind me of the st cloud women's team maybe last year where they're pushing in the right direction but they just weren't quite there yet although we'll get to them um right, right. <laughs> but uh, on the men's side of course uh, we kind of talked about it a lot of teams off this weekend and that'll flip-flop of course for the upcoming so st cloud in action of course they win 5-2 and 3-1 to the huskies on the other side western michigan uh they win 6-1 in the first night and then omaha comes back with a 3-2 overtime final if you're the broncos though a couple of crucial points to kind of maintain maintain Pat in the standings, so to speak. And then yep. upcoming in the, in the following weekend, that's where the teams that played this weekend will now be off. North Dakota travels to CC, Denver travels to Minnesota Duluth. So essentially, your bye week is staggered where the four teams that played are now off. The four teams that were off are now going to play. So uh, pretty simple. Um you know to fo- follow in that regard uh but yeah this men's hockey team uh they get both victories like we kind of mentioned we start on a friday night uh st cloud uh in front of an attendance of just over 2300 miami again 7 18 and 2 on the season again it, we talked about it's six less wins than the huskies overall in the year so t- take that what you will the nch has not been kind to them but i mean you know just throwing that out there miami actually outshot st cloud in this one 20 to 19 uh six five huskies in the first seven four miami in the second and 9-8 St. Cloud in the third. So, I mean, like I said, it wasn't exactly a wide-open hockey game by any means. Both teams scored on the power play. Miami had only one opportunity. St. Cloud had three chances uh, for them, but it was the Huskies uh, who come away with a victory off of a pair of first-period goals. Jack Peart got the scoring started fairly late into the first period, just underneath the five-minute mark. Nick Ports, Cooper Wiley, tallying assists on this one to get the Huskies in front.
1: Ethan Coin has it. Back over along the wall as that shot from a sharp angle. Sent in, save made. Over to the right side of shot in a score. And the pass came from behind the net to the left side. It was Jack
3: who snuck. Bruno Pervares was out of sorts a little bit on that. Uh, a couple players came back to try to defend it for him to help out. That's, that's Reikwis that comes over to help out. And Bruno kind of got caught up.
0: I like the compete level. You win a puck battle on the near side. You keep the play alive. Uh guys crash in the crease. Good to see a defenseman collapse down and for that one-time opportunity, Nick. Uh, what did you see on that play?
2: I love the net front presence, right? Because at the end of the day, the shot comes through. It's it's not a you know a shot you're looking to score on. You're just trying to funnel pucks toward the net. But because you're taking away the vision. He's unable to feel it cleanly. There's a rebound loose. You, As you mentioned, you win the puck battle. You go behind the net. As you mentioned, Jack Peart reads it, collapses down, presents himself as a shooting option. Nice one-timer, lifts it over the shoulder. That's great execution on that play.
0: Yeah, and then Teddy Langerbach would take a slashing minor, and a minute 57 later, Jack Peart himself would find Werner Mietnin and Zach Okabe for his seventh of the season on the power play. Huskies lead 2 nothing after one.
1: And Peart back at the blue line, has it. 40 seconds gone on the power play as Peart back and forth with Werner being in and feeding it down low. Okabe shoots and scores. Okabe below the circle on the right side. Got the feed and they just spun it in. Just pour it on. We saw that in that Saturday
3: night game up at St. Cloud State as Okabe gets the goal, the assist on this to Peart as well as the other assist going to
0: I love the heads up mentality. It's not often you see guys A lot of times they're going to get that puck in that bumper position down near the crease and try to kick it to the other side. I just love the patience to be able to turn and just look and realize, hey, the short side was open.
2: Wide open. A hundred percent. Right. It's so easy in a power play. Noah. I know that you and I could probably attest to this when you're playing. There's just a timing mechanism that's in your head. Right. It's just almost, you know, sometimes you just kind of go into automatic mode there. Um, Good read there also at the blue line uh, to find that seam on the diamond there. Um, And then, as you mentioned, Zach Okabe head up the hallway just says, and probably maybe a half second surprise that it was that wide open. And instead of trying to force a play to the other side, just takes what's given and Beats the goaltender's short side. You got to love that execution.
0: Yeah, I like that play and the fact that the Huskies. Uh, it's been a while since they've necessarily been in the driver's seat at the end of period number one. I mean, we've seen some one nothing scores or things like that, but two nothing is is an okay lead. Some say the worst lead in hockey, but the counter argument to that is I don't think any coach. Lead. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any coach would scoff at, at being up by two, but nonetheless, the lead would be cut in half two minutes and twenty three seconds into the middle frame. Uh, the Redhawks with a power play goal of their own.
1: ...behind the net and wait for some help from Axel Kumlin. You see the line changes, Waldron up ahead, Barbolini on there, his cross eyes, feet, Fletcher shoots and scores! Ravens Vatolich rather, not Fletcher, it's Vatolich cutting
3: down. ...and gives it up to, to Barbolini on the left side, and then you see, if you're on NCHD, you see Waldron calling for it, but wisely... Uh, Matthew Barbellini sees the open man on the far side that's Batallins and he snipes that one past the goaltender.
0: Great play in transition I like the execution uh, moving essentially from east to west while going north south then finding that flat drop pass the extra forward is wide open essentially on the power play when you when you're down a man and yeah good release glove side high goal score is goal for sure
2: yeah and you wonder if the huskies maybe got a bit too aggressive too on that penalty kill four check. Uh, a lot of space in between the defense and the two four checkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to love that center lane drive too, which opened up that seam pass through the middle there, uh, as you mentioned, great execution east west, and then you yeah, just to it and rip it right. Um, and when you can have a quick release like that to find that you know that that top side corner there um. Can't really uh, can't really uh, be upset about that. That's great hockey there um, by Miami. A good rush opportunity on the power play, right? That's not something that St. Claude loves to give up very often. But uh, you got to hand it to the Redhawks here. Great execution on that play.
0: Yeah, great release, like you mentioned. Uh, 11 minutes later, it was the Miettinen brothers who found Dylan Anhorn for his fifth of the season to regain a two goal lead. And the Huskies took that 3-1 lead into the second intermission.
1: Ball comes back up the right side, played back to the point. As Anhorn feeds it to the left side, he gets right back, he shoots and scores. A little give and go, and Dylan Anhorn gets the feed coming down the middle
3: and roofs that. That's going to be Werner Miettinen, but what a great give and go. Seen it again on NCHC TV, right back to him. There's an opening the sort of sees part there, and he sees
0: that opening, Dylan. I mean, gorgeous give and go to the captain who finishes it off. It's not easy making that pass, you know, the initial play from Anhorn down low, and then it comes back, uh, essentially making guys overcommit defensively. Um, that's, I don't think people necessarily appreciate how good of a goal that is sometimes.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's when you talk about a give and go, right, and especially from, you know, an active defenseman like Dylan Anhorn, right? Uh, you see this two ways, right? You Noah, know, is that sometimes you'll see defensemen where they give the puck up in that sense. It's a good little area pass and then just sit at the blue line, right? They see the traffic and they don't really activate with that. So that allows the winner to basically be by himself. Now, when Dylan Anhorn creeps in that slot, then you could see that winner come through and he bypasses Dylan Anhorn. He actually goes to the yep. wide side there and, you know, Definitely a coaching moment there is, you know, he's on the wide side. He's a sharp angle. That's the the least threat there. If anything, maybe you want to take away Dylan Anhorn. But again, quick uh, give and go, as you mentioned. And then again, off the stick in a hurry and uh, through the bodies in front. I'd imagine the goaltender didn't have a great look at it. A good, good shot low, unable to pick it up. 3-1 Huskies. Yeah, and able to shoot across the grain, too, as a left-handed
0: shot on the glove side. That's not an easy play. Uh, no. it's, speaking of not easy, well, the Huskies uh, made it a little bit too easy, 13 seconds into the third period. Uh, this now a one-goal contest. John Waldron got the Redhawks within one.
1: Drop at center ice, but having a puck and a roll around along the wall, brought in on that left side as Fletcher coming down, hits a shot, and rebound score! Right down
3: Put the puck on net, and that's exactly what happened there. Fires a big time shot that Bassi's unable to handle. As you see it again on NCHC TV in slow motion, Waldron right there settles the
0: kind of an uncharacteristic poor rebound control. I think that's one that maybe Dominic Bassi wants to have back, but at the same time, you know, guys in front have to pick up their man on the weak side, rebound opportunity in the back of the net. Um, not the way you want to start a period,
2: uh... no, and uh. Honestly, I don't, know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like that was a pop play, you know, the pass off the pad. I feel yeah. like that was an intentional um, shot to get that rebound. Um Again, one stick was covered there. It was the most uh, closest to the crease. Unfortunately, the second layer there was wide open. And I don't know if you saw that, you know, when Miami entered the zone, it seemed like a couple of Huskies were also over committing on that uh, on that near sideboards. So as the play moved towards the net, a bit of a, um, a defensive collapse there in terms of not trying to pick up that that man there in the slot. But either way, Miami takes advantage and it's now a one goal game. But it wouldn't take long. Our last highlight of uh, of the
0: night, we had a goal at the 327 mark and 417 mark, the second coming with the extra attacker. Uh, first one was Barrett Hall, sixth from Jack Peart and Vieti Mietnin, who had a two point game, as did his brother. And then Cooper Wiley, his second of the year, also a multi point night for him. Tynan Newart and Zach Okabe, also two points for him as well, capping off a pair of goals in quick succession, and the Huskies would take this lead all the way to the finish.
1: Throwing the puck, gets it back up here. Long range shot, blocked down in front hall, trying to redirect, tracks it down, he shoots it, scores. Oh man, what a lucky shot that was had on. Is Barrett Hall. Doesn't
3: do it in transition as uh, Barrett Hall, the freshman and NHL prospect, uh, gets his sixth of the season. Assisting on that is Jack Peart, as he has been involved in three of the
1: goals tonight. Some help as and... he'll go behind the Miami net. Extra attacker on now for St. Cloud State with a delayed penalty. Here comes Ewer down. Feeds one over to the right side. Shot score. Cooper Wiley on the backside with the extra attacker. Puts it by
3: Bruno Goal scored by Cooper Wiley. Assists are going to go to Tynan Ewert, and other assist will go to Zach Okabi. And 5-2, to two, just like that. The Redhawks are just down by
0: one. Yeah, I mean, the first one, you try to steer a puck to the corner, it ramps up on your stick, I think, is a netminder. That's one that you'd like to have back. Uh, kind of a painful one yeah. for the Redhawks to stay in that hockey game. The second one with the extra attacker, good cycle play, good scissor-crossing action there, and then... Uh, backdoor pass and almost actually kind of making the save but a good look husky is doing a good job getting to the net front there and making it uh, a final of five goals for st cloud um you know nick this was a game that uh again i I think st cloud needed a friday night i think they needed a friday night in regulation to feel a little bit better about themselves um and we'll kind of allude to this when we get to saturday's game as well but i know it's miami but St. Cloud has kind of been missing that in recent is kind of the ability to kind of like put the dagger in and twist a little bit. And yep. I think that that succession there gives you an idea of mental resolve to get kind of kicked in the mouth at the start of period number three. And you, you don't look back and you, you tag a couple on in quick quick succession
2: yeah and you know when you go back to the shot on goal totals through the period um a a pretty careful game i think by saint cloud Uh, we've seen a couple of the the more recent results where i i think defensively Brett larson wants them to be more responsible in that area of the ice so um, this team is certainly i think coming into this weekend was playing with um you know trying to be very careful in that regards to not give up mistakes we'll, we'll take advantage of it when we can but let's play a good structured game um, as you can see right there six four and nine uh, for 19 but as you you know it doesn't matter if it's 19 or 40 if they're quality chances that's fine um you held Miami to 20. that's not terrible right um At the end of the day, I think Brett Larson would be happy with the overall defensive effort Um, and this team just again, they're built differently where when they get a lead, they're much more comfortable. This team, at least this year, has not, at least in my vision, has not shown an ability to really be able to claw back in games. They've done it a couple of times, but I don't think they're comfortable in that position. So I think. That first goal, I think getting that lead is super important for this Husky squad. Um, And it just seemed like once they got that two nothing lead, they relaxed. Yeah, a couple of goals went and it was a one goal game, but they didn't panic. They still stuck to their structure and they were able to get a couple in the third to pull away and seal the victory. That to me is there was the recipe for success this weekend. And uh, as we discuss for game number two coming up here seem to be replicated, and that's night number two.
0: Yeah, and I think allow them to relax. You talk about night number two, attendance of just under 2,600. Huskies win 3-1 in this one. Outshoot Miami 36-22. It's a little more characteristic of kind of what we've seen. 16-6 in the first, 12-9 in the second, 8-7 in the third. Uh, St. Cloud did uh, score on one of only three power play opportunities the entire game. They only had two themselves. Perfect on the kill, one for one. Adam Ingram, the only minor penalty, Um, but he redeemed himself. Uh, Of course, scoring the first goal of this hockey game on the power play, so I suppose it, it works out in the end. Uh, it was actually a bench minor for too many men that the Huskies capitalize on, and also Isaac Posh stopping 21 of 22 in this one. Another good showing for him, albeit against Miami, but still uh, doing exactly what he needed. But as we mentioned, Adam Ingram, his eighth of the season, Kyler Kupka Vieti, Miet, and Vieti Miettinen got the scoring started. The Huskies do take a one-goal lead into the second.
1: Back and forth with Anord. It's be ended down low. With the cross-size feet and Ingram on the backside shoots and scores. Tic-tac-toe, great feet. Kyler Kupka slitter. It is. I mean, it, it, coming into
3: this weekend, they're 21.3%, so doing well, but I would have, it, the way that they move the puck, the way they move away from the puck.
0: And a lot of strong puck movement east-west, especially on special teams, I thought, throughout this weekend. And, you know, something when you're playing against a quote-unquote lesser opponent, maybe that opens up a little bit for you and you get a little bit more confidence snapping the puck around a little bit. But, yeah, another pretty play, Nick. Very similar to the goal we saw from the first night, except it did go across the crease. But uh, um, I guess tell the listeners at home, what's kind of the underrated play about that that all starts about 85 feet above where it ends up.
2: How about the decoy by V.D. Miettinen, right? Uh, This is where when you've got a shooter, a Holby Baker candidate, right, where he can pass, he can shoot and he moves from that half all to the top. Right. What ends up happening is, is Miami knows. He knows he's a shooting threat. Uh, he scored from there many times. He can also thread the needle, but it's not his normal position. Uh, to me, what I saw was Miami caught, got, got puck watching, and especially on that uh, that weak side defenseman. Um, as he moved up, everybody just kind of crowded toward the middle. VD saw that lane. It was a quick one-touch pass across. People forgot about the backside. Um, So to me, it was that read by Vietti Miettinen. It probably was a design play to let let him shoot, honestly, Uh, but he elected to defer to that pass. Again, good cross ice, good one-touch passing, wide open back in the net. Yeah, and
0: I love, like you mentioned, being able to walk the blue line and create that opportunity, bring guys with you. You open up. What is still technically the strong side, because the play originates from the same side, that right side glove side of the ice. Kick it down Mm -hmm. low, and then everybody, knowing last night that's where the goal was scored, everybody collapses and tries to attack the strong side, and then the weak side's wide open. Beautiful goal. The Huskies would uh, be challenged, though. It would be all knotted up at one heading into the third period. 13 minutes into the second, Miami would score the lone tally of period number two.
1: Feeted through traffic and was tipped, went to the wall, and getting two under the Redhawks. That'll be Barbellini. Gives it off. Bolton coming around. Here comes Bolton on the backhand. Gets a shot. He scores!
3: And he's had a couple of great opportunities. So nice for the Miami fans to see him rewarded as, again, posh in the right position. He makes the initial save, sort of, but the the puck trickles in behind him, unable to to really redirect that to the place that he wants it to be. Posh, though, he had set up really well, so you've got to give a lot of credit
0: to Dylan Moulton. Just one of those that catches the inside crook of the arm, actually even the jersey. In fact, if it probably just goes straight through underneath the blocker side, it probably goes wide of the net and it just catches the jersey. I mean, just one of those unfortunate backhand shots that's hard to read for a goaltender.
2: Yeah, and I I think you and I would agree that Posh was probably off his angle just by a tad. A a bit overcommitted on that strong side there, but either way, he gets a piece of it, uh, but not quite enough. As you mentioned, sometimes it catches the equipment. Sometimes you get a rolling puck or a bounce and it skitters wide. Unfortunately, heads right toward the post and it knocks in. Um, But yeah, no, that's I mean, not much you can say about that one. Just an unfortunate bounce and for Posh, maybe a bit more. To the strong side that maybe he probably would have liked. Um, He's not going to love that goal. Would probably like to have that one back. But nonetheless, not much you can do about it tied up at one
0: yeah and the guys picked him up 10 minutes in, in period number three Vietti met in another multi-point night for him boy has he looked good he's been a real bright spot for this husky squad barrett hall telling a multi-point weekend with an assist and then dylan anhorn of course his sixth of the season second goal in as many nights also no surprise of course that he looks good getting the huskies in front for what would be the eventual game winner
1: Meadner turning it around. Back up ice, but his pass broken up by Miami. They can't clear it out, though. Werner Meadner, or Megan Hall has it. Over to Anhorn, who shoots and scores. Another turnover by Miami And Dylan Anhorn.
3: fires that one in the back of the net. What a great feed to find him as that was sent all the way across the ice by Barrett Hall. And those turnovers, when you give the puck away.
0: Bit of a blind pass, but I mean, you know, you've got two red sweaters on the opposite side. The first one takes the defenseman away, and the second one is a flat drop pass, able to put it in the back of the net. Uh, Nick, uh, anything specific that really stands out to you about that one?
2: Uh, I think, I just think for me, the read by Anborn, um, honestly, on this play, and then obviously, you got to win that puck battle there by Barrett Hall. to me, you know, it's kind of a broken play to begin with. Uh, Bear Hall then decides, OK, we're going to settle this down. A good shield in the puck. It's as you mentioned, kind of a blind drop pass toward the middle. But again, it's that active defense coming in and collapsing down, reading the passing lane. And then again, you know, as if you're crowded up in the slot, Let it go through sometimes. Maybe you're tied up, but Anhorn's right there. And then again, a quick release. It looked like the goaltender was expecting a little bit. He hesitated slightly as the puck went toward the crease. Sometimes that's all you need. Anhorn made no mistake and just ripped it over his right side shoulder. Let's just get that all-important insurance goal
0: absolutely and uh 18.01 two less just under two minutes left in this game kyler kupka found zach okabi for his eighth of the season we talked about it being able to twist the knife a little bit this was right before miami was getting set to pull their net minder. st cloud didn't wait for the empty net they were able to tally at five on five
1: The hustle back in as the huskies took one away near the blue line and it come right down low a shot and score Zach Okabe snuck in on the back side. And I don't think Bruno Brever's really ever fully got back into position. The Huskies hustled down and got a cross-eyed feed off the wall from the left side. And Okabe cutting down the right side gets insurance with a minute 59 to go that they put this one out of reach for Miami. And well, credit that play all the hustle of Kyler Kupka. Well, Kupka gets it. And both I,
0: both players involved in that. Miami loses that puck battle on the half wall. Play doesn't get out and everybody's puck watching on that near side. And Zach Okabe said, thank you very much. That's about one of the easiest goals that I think he's going to score in his college career.
2: Uh, yeah. And how about the forecheck check execution, right? Noah yeah. uh, funneling that puck to the corner, good wedge. And then again, as you mentioned, that puck gets loose. It's a quick shoot across the, uh, the ice there. And then as you mentioned, Zach will copy with an easy tap in Miami really puck watching there. I don't think they were, we expecting that play to develop that way. Um, it just didn't, if you're Miami there, you can't turn the puck over there. Uh, yeah. there was no support. Um, but at the end of the day, um, Uh, Huskies made and pay. And again, that's just how that's exactly how you want it to force to play up the wall. You see that that wall again on the opposite side of the of the defenseman there had nowhere to go. Pick up the loose puck, shoot it across, easy tap in.
0: Yeah, I thought Isaac Posh looked good in all the other contests uh, that he faced in terms of shot volume. Even the one that went in, I mean, just kind of one of those where shooter drives the net, able to create kind of an uncommon scenario and able to bank it in off the crook of your arm. I mean, what do you do about that? Nonetheless, yeah. so the Huskies take the victory. They, of course, improved to 14, 9, and 5 on the season. Um NCHC play, if memory serves me correct, let me just pull it up quick, 10-4-4 in the NCHC, which when you started 7-0-1, yeah, yeah, you know, not exactly the greatest second half so far, but I think momentum in the right direction. Good time still, I think for the bye week we don't say that all the time, but I think uh, a good time for that. We take a look at the upcoming schedule. The Huskies only have three weekends left, Western Michigan at the tail end of February. Uh, and then of course the following weekend, they'll be at home against Denver. So the last four game home swing of the season in the regular season. Um, and then Minnesota Duluth on the road, the eighth and ninth of March to finish things out. I, uh, A lot could still change here, but the Huskies, hopefully it's not the last four home games that they play this season, uh, depending on how they do, uh, of course, throughout the remainder here. But uh, Nick, what do you take from a weekend like this against an opponent that on paper they should have taken care of? They did take care of them. They took care of them in regulation. uh, Hint, hint, North Dakota. Um, And both goaltenders look good, and St. Cloud executed at the right time.
2: Uh, At the end of it, you know, there's – you did what you had to do right it is not much you can say about it uh this would be a much different conversation if even we're talking about one loss yeah because uh, of just where they are in the pairwise right or, so I think, or, think or,
0: or even a shootout win right like
2: yeah it just it wouldn't because that would be a tie right it'd be a tie against Miami which unfortunately is down in the pairwise and where St Cloud is at right now you're in the bubble territory and I, I think more than anything you know, the bye week almost comes at the worst time for me. And I know we could probably debate this, Noah, but you're feeling good. You know, again, it's it's been a struggle since the holiday break to get wins in regulation or wins of any kind for that matter. Um, you kind of want to continue that momentum. Um, and now you got two opponents at home that are above you in the pairwise. So you have an opportunity. You've beaten Western Michigan and in Lawson twice. Um, they're gonna need to at least get a split there against Uh, The Broncos, as you can see on the screen, and then Denver, you have them coming up. So uh, at the end of it, um, that's going to set them up for what would be a pivotal matchup against uh, Minnesota Duluth to finish off the regular season. Uh, St. Cloud could really help themselves over the next uh, couple of weeks. I think they need to take no less than two, if not three out of four. Um, With Denver sitting at seventh, as you see the uh, the pairwise standings continue to scroll up and down. So, I mean... The best part is the losses here don't necessarily hurt you as bad, but wins could certainly help you climb up a little bit, depending on some of the other um, results around the pairwise. Um, no, I'm curious as to know what your thoughts are. Um, it, it's not do or die. But I think um, at the end of the day, I think you have an opportunity if you're St. Cloud to try to get yourselves elevated in the pairwise standings and try to put yourselves in a more comfortable position coming to second, third week of March.
0: Yeah, you know St. Cloud's actually in an all right spot here. As you mentioned, Denver, a uh, couple of victories against them would go a long way. Western yes, Michigan, you've already had two regulation victories, so you can't do any worse in the pairwise against the Broncos. Um, right. So you know Denver at seven, Western at eleven, and then uh, oh, so as we got to scroll, yeah, twenty five. So that the loose series is really kind of the one where I think you feel a little bit more on edge, you know, kind of heading in. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if you're St. Cloud, you have a couple weeks to kind of remedy the situation. I don't, I don't agree or disagree as far as when the bye week should be. I, I think for St. Cloud, I still don't know that they're playing well enough that the bye week. Necessarily hurts them if that makes sense i think it's still a good time for them to reset certainly haven't had the greatest of second halves i, I don't know what it is it's been the men's team It certainly been the win, women's team that we're going to get to in just a moment uh it's been the minotauros as well too i don't know what it is but second half january february swoons are in full swing right now for everybody not named the bismarck bobcats so um, yes, seriously <laughs> although although the uh the toros did get a win yesterday but they were terrible on friday but um that's neither here nor there but for the men's team a little bit of traction like you said i think good enough where miami gives you a bit of a confidence boost helps you relax a little bit but that's where if you're st cloud really the only series you have to fear is that Deleuze series at the end of you know the season in the middle of march western michigan can't necessarily hurt you really that much now you're going to need as many points as you can get because sitting in 13 14 is not the place you want to be you'd like to oh. elevate you like to elevate two or three spots and just put yourself in that doesn't matter if you're a low three seed put yourself in that spot don't leave it up to chance you know the second thing about that is you know denver obviously a victory against them or two you know could go a long ways into just kind of helping you helping you push in that regard but yeah duluth you can't drop the games against duluth 25 in the Parawise that's not going to help you. That That series could easily be the difference between you being a low three seed or you fighting for your life in the NCHC Frozen faceoff in a couple of weeks. So that's where um, the Huskies have to take a deep breath, regroup this week, start working on the process. I know that sounds odd. You're like, well, we need to win hockey games. You do. But at the same time, start working on the process of being better against Western, being better against Denver. The results will come. Ultimately, you're gearing up for the playoff before the playoff, which is the games against Duluth, because those have the potential to really burn you. Huskies have to take care of business. I think for the men's team, uh, you know, bye week doesn't hurt them, I guess. I don't know that it helps, but I I certainly think it can be well-utilized and could be a turning point, so Brett Larson and company have to be on their toes to make sure it's a productive week and a half. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, 100 percent. And I don't disagree with that. Um, I just more worry about the players. Right. It's it's it is it, as we're going to talk on the women's side, right? The mental side of the game. Is you know this is where you you really do separate yourselves you know the, the teams that are going to go places and those are the teams that you know may struggle in this situation and um you know you just I, I do wonder where the the confidence level where the mentality is with this squad and you know you just hope that when you finally do get some some good building blocks right and again we know it's against Miami We're, and I'm not going to take anything away from Miami right again I know the record is what it is but I also don't think that they're as bad as their record sense i really don't um at the end of the day um i also think that you know like you mentioned this is a good opportunity to kind of reset uh and as you mentioned gear up because it's going to be you know, yes, the structure. Yes, it's going to be, you know, the X's and O's, but more so just the confidence, the mentality, the playoff mentality that you need to bring over the next three weeks after the mm-hmm. bye week, which are really going to help you set up to be at your best uh, when it comes to not only the the remaining regular season matchups, more importantly, Noah, getting yourself primed for the NCHC Frozen faceoff, because again, as you mentioned, that that UMD series is going to really tell us what St. Cloud is going to need to do to best position themselves come March.
0: Yeah, well, you talk about Reset, you want to talk about a group that needs one women's hockey right now. We're going to move over to them. Uh, if you're not on the YouTube channel, the graphics is it all. They've lost seven straight and eight of their last ten. Uh, you talk about how big those games were uh, against St. Thomas and Mankato. I mean, big difference Huge. makers there. Um you know, and granted, I, I would say strength of schedule, the Huskies have had one of the toughest in the second half, but at the same time, you got to put yourself up for, for success. And that's where we talked about those series coming out of January, how important they were. Uh, but, you know, let's start on the opposite side here. Let's start on the pairwise. Huskies have not moved. They played Minnesota this weekend, so they're still at 10, one behind Duluth, Quinnipiac in that grouping as well. So the Huskies still sitting in an okay spot one slot over 500 essentially like it's a 5-1-6 I think is the winning percentage or something like that St. Cloud currently 15-14-1 and one. so um they will play next weekend boy this is a massive series you want to talk about a team that could yep. use about three bye weeks right now St. Cloud might be that team now I don't think they play bad this weekend but we've been saying that for a while against two opponents, well, three, technically. Wisconsin and Ohio State, two teams that should have beat the Huskies on paper. You know, top two teams as well. Minnesota was a handleable team for St. Cloud. It wasn't going to be easy, but they were they were certainly, you know, in that position where they could have easily taken some points. They were close both nights. You know, one nothing score on that first night. Second game gets away with a couple of empty netters at the end, but it was a lot closer than I think the score um. You know, indicated Nick, you were there on Friday night. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it about this Saint Cloud team that they just can't find the extra gear they they had in the first half?
2: So the men had the flying fins, and the women's can't finish. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, Brian Idolski, I we asked him after the presser, and you could see, you could see, and he was visibly frustrated um, with the fact that he felt like, hey, and this is not just with the Gophers, too, against Ohio State, um, and then going back against St. Thomas and Minnesota State, again, a very home-heavy schedule to start the second half, just kind of felt like, you know, they're creating chances, but they're not putting the puck in the net, and they're that close. And I think he knows, and I think it's fair to say, that if you go back and look at this losing streak, you know, the really only... I mean, if... The five one against Saint Thomas again, a couple of empty netters. There's not really one game besides maybe that one at Wisconsin five two that you could say they got a, you know it was it got away from them. Right. They were in every single game, and I think that's where the frustration is. And and from from Madolski's own words, I asked him, hey, like you know, you've been in this position, you know, as a player where, you know, you feel like you're you're on the cusp of things. You know, you, you just feel like you are you need a bounce or something. Mm-hmm. What is it? And he goes, you know, why I want this to change now is we don't have the player on the roster that says, yes, we've won. We've sorry, we've lost seven straight. It's okay. We're going to come back and do this. He's like, we're not panicking on the bench. But we don't have, shall we say, that swagger or that confidence to say it's OK. We just have to stick to what we do and we'll we'll be able to break through. They haven't had that yet. Um, And it, it's not like they're changing necessarily what they do, but it does feel like as the games that are tight go towards the later stages of the game, you do feel like that the sticks are being gripped a bit tighter, that maybe things offensively, start, they start forcing things a little bit. And then unfortunately, that is. We know in hockey that creates opportunities going the other way so um their goaltending has been excellent from chobac up to Sonia Hola. so not much you can say they just haven't had the goal support and that's really it i mean it, it's you want to make it like this three or four factor uh you know sort of puzzle that's plaguing this team for seven straight it really isn't they've been playing well enough to win these games they just haven't had the goal scoring to match it to be able to pull away or to, shall I say, get themselves in a better position. So, um, and I think that's why it's so frustrating. You know it's it's different than in years past where you go and you're you're in a, you got walked by Wisconsin, you get walked by the Gophers and you weren't even close, right? Yeah, and you're frustrated because you're getting kicked around the rink. Now the frustration is we're right there, and we feel like we played well enough to win. we just can't get enough in in the back of the net. Yeah and
0: started playing their hockey about at the right time about 2 weeks too late coming out of the holiday break I think is probably what to, what should be said um yeah and unfortunately just one of those where it just hasn't had the grit factor to just kind of muscle one out, I think, if that makes sense, just yep. to be able to kind of get over the hump. But nonetheless, uh, we take a look at scores coming from this past weekend in the WCHA in general. Wisconsin, 17-0 combined finish against Bemidji State at the Sanford Center. The Beavers, of course, no match for the Badgers, unfortunately. 3 nothing. Mankato loses to Ohio State the first night uh, and 6-2 the second night. Duluth, 4-1 and 5-1 were the finals against the St. Thomas Tommies.
2: So, uh, you mean no. Reese Hunt versus St. Thomas four one yeah. on that first night. Yeah. Four goals for her, the former Bemidji State Beaver. My goodness, what a pickup that was for yeah. Minnesota Duluth. Holy cow.
0: Well, and you talk about the difference. We talked about those games against St. Thomas and Mankato. We take a look at the standings here. Ohio State ahead of the pack. They're gonna take it home unless something wild happens. Sixty-seven points for them. Uh Wisconsin at sixty, the Gophers at fifty-six. I still think Wisconsin's gonna finish in that two spot. Uh Duluth at forty one now with the weekend. The Huskies at 33. So again, you talk about either of those games could put them at 36 or 39. I mean, you know, or somewhere in there in that realm. Nonetheless, though, you talk about 39 points. That's the best the Huskies could do after this weekend. Their opponent coming up is the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. So they could still give themselves a chance heading into the final week, but you know, it's going to take a gargantuan effort this weekend. There's no doubt about that. At some point, as much as we've talked about it, Nick, they've got to find a way to find a way. You know, they, yep. if, if they want a chance at that home ice spot, no doubt they're going to get Duluth in the first round of the playoffs. That's pretty much signed, sealed, delivered, I feel like, pretty right much. now. So, yep. um, so yeah, th- that's obviously going to be key. Um, and as we mentioned, Bemidji State, the final matchup for the Huskies coming out after Duluth the Huskies will be on the road from here on out by the way no more home games for them their last was of course the Gophers so St. Cloud has a chance if they do well against Duluth if they could string four wins together against Duluth and Bemidji things could get a little bit interesting but let's rewind back to uh the game that you were at Nick the last one at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center attendance of 400 in this one uh St. Cloud actually outshoots Minnesota in this one um 24 20 9 5 in the first and then dead even 8 8 and 7 7 in periods two and three uh the gophers their lone goal comes on the power play one for three the huskies missed on their lone opportunity uh and it was abby murphy in the second period uh about two-thirds of the way through the period her 28th from madison kaiser on the man advantage and unfortunately for st cloud that was all that was needed for the gophers
2: Try to step up and get it away. Here's a chance for the Gophers. Weak side. Translate score!
0: Backdoor tap in. driving the lane. Able to get the weak side towards the crease. And, and that was all that was needed, unfortunately, for the Gophers. But, Nick, I'm glad you were there on Friday. One, because great call. But, number two, you know, you can speak a little bit more to this game being one to nothing. You know, what was the feel of this hockey game How close were the Huskies to at least pushing this one pass regulation?
2: I mean, it was close. Um, There were a couple of grade A opportunities, both in the first and the third. I feel like in the second, Um, historically for the Huskies, that's always been a bit of a struggle for them. But both teams, um, you could see that the emphasis was on uh, disrupting the zone entry with possession. Um, You could really see that it was back and forth and really for the Gophers, a couple of stretches where they had sustained zone time. But really, it's not like they dominated, right? This was a very close game. And again, we go back to the frustration piece, um, you know, with those opportunities that the Huskies had, there were a couple of a goal mouth scrambles where, uh, again, you, you, you're able to lift one over a pad or find the loose puck. This game is tied. Um, and going back to that goal for Abby Murphy, that deflects off a couple of Husky sticks on the way over, too. So um asked Jojo Chobuck about that at post game, and uh, she was like, yeah, no, it definitely hit one of our sticks, too. Um, I think Murphy did get the last touch on it, but mm. at the end of it, it's it's frustrating when you're trying to do the right things on offense, can't get a break, and then defensively also, you know, trying to get sticks on pucks, and then it takes a bad bounce the other way, too. So yeah. Um, but there really wasn't any grade A chances for the Gophers, maybe two or three the entire game. So, you know, and, and again, like this isn't this is a good Husky squad again, you know, and you know, to again, two years ago, we would have dreamed to be within a goal of the Gophers and to yeah. be going up and down the ice with them and not be caught on our own zone two to three minutes at a time. Right where you're dead tired and all you're trying to do is just throw the puck out of your zone, get an icing just to. Reset yourself a bit. Huskies had a chance to win this hockey game. They had plenty. And it just stinks that with those opportunities that you got with the golfers were able to put it away so in and again you could see the frustration on the bench you could see it with some of the players after the fact and you can certainly see it with the head coach after the game because they knew they had a chance and just couldn't capitalize on their chances
0: yeah and a chance to at least get some points beyond regulation i think is kind of the main point yeah. uh 28 faceoff wins 30 losses 48 percent in the dot not too shabby uh jojo Showback, 19 of 20 for her like you mentioned the lone goal the flex off her paddle and into the back of the net on the power play so uh kind of a tough one Uh, on Saturday, of course, quick turnaround for this. You play at you know, the late-night game on Friday, and then you play at 2 o'clock for the Saturday matinee, so to speak. Uh, Down at Ritter Arena, you have to travel as well, so that's a quick turnaround. The Huskies ultimately lose 5-1 in the second night, attendance of uh, just over 1,800, but this was not a 5-1 hockey game, much closer than that one. Uh, Shots 29-22, the Gophers much better in the second night. Um, It was 1-1 after 40 minutes to play the Gophers tack on 4, including 2 empty netters to seal the deal. 10-7 was the margin for shots for the Gophers in the first, 11-10 11-10 in the second, 8-5 in the third. Uh, only one power play opportunity either way. It was for the Huskies. They missed. 32 even in the faceoff dot. Exactly 50% for both squads. We mentioned Abby Murphy. Well, she was the lone goal scorer of period number one. Uh, her 29th of the season just under the five-minute mark had the Gophers ahead heading into the second 20 minutes.
1: She scores her 29th of the year. Just an off-angle shot from Madison Kaiser. It bounces and then Murphy, she gets that
0: near goal. And I mean, what do you do about a bounce like that? A shot that gets blocked, it goes all the way to the weak side. Uh, really nothing that Sonia Hola can do about that. She stopped 24 of 27 in this one. Uh, but yeah, just talk about it. Sometimes the hockey gods don't smile on you when it rains, it pours.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, you talk about bounces, and then it goes to the nation's leading goal scorer Abby Murphy, right? Um, and Hola was tracking it right she she tracked it the whole way and but unfortunately when you go up against you know A I an HCA goaltenders of the year semifinalists against you know the nation's best goal scorer you know it's uh, you know the gladiator versus goliath or whatever the hell you want to call it uh, two great players on the ice and unfortunately for Abby Murphy great shot able to find a little bit of a hole there i think between the post and the glove and is able to beat a hole there so again not getting the bounces from uh, the hockey gods up up top but uh, again crazy bounce what are you going to do yeah
0: st cloud would respond though avery farrell seventh of the season just before the five minute mark and we would be one one heading into the final 20 minutes
1: some room shoots and scores and the huskies have tied avery farrell for st cloud and
0: farrell had some room and finds an opening top left corner that one was brewing there was just two defensive zone turnovers from the gophers there good seeing eyes shot through a screen i like the release obviously the ability for uh f1 and f2 to get to the front of the net create that screen and allow the net to not be able to see it uh pretty good zone entry pretty good execution for the huskies there
2: it's the you know if there's going to be one storyline from this whole season for st cloud it's going to be every feral that to me is the, the- the best storyline um, just as a sophomore and translating over from Franklin Pierce. Um, we talked about the story before, but, you know, didn't really have a spot in the lineup. And Brian Idolsky said to start the year has worked her way into a top six role and uh, she shoots the puck. She shoots the puck. She sees the ice. Well, she makes the right reads. She uses her feet um, and she has no shyness about letting it go. Um, and as you mentioned, this is something that I know I've talked about. I know you've talked about. You got to get more pressure in front of these opposing net minders. Um I think St. Cloud for, you know, the next step in the offensive progression is, you know, A, they're not shooting enough. And two, when they are shooting, it's sharp angles. There's no traffic. It's easy stops, right? This is the next level of consistency with the with the St. Cloud State women's team to continue to do this more throughout the game. Um, these goaltenders are great. I'm not taking anything away from them. But again, anybody in that position, you can't see it. Likely, you can't stop it.
0: Yeah, certainly. 13 seconds into the third, the Gophers would get back on the board. Uh, they would not relinquish a lead or at least be tied throughout the majority of the weekend, and they make it 2 1. This would be the eventual game winner.
1: Wow. Here's Boo Vang for Minnesota. She's got it. Hubert and Frenchy scores! What?
0: And again, that's a tough one. Breakdown in coverage right off the opening faceoff. Weak side forward tries to come back and recover, but they're not able to do it. Just like that, Minnesota's off and running. They would take a while to score there next, though. Over 13 minutes, over halfway through the period. This, unfortunately, was the dagger that kind of sealed the deal, uh, at least for the time being, the Huskies not able to climb back. Uh, and just like that, the Gophers make it 3-1.
1: Now it's 3-1, thanks to Maddie Kaiser. And that play all starts by Madeline Weddington, drawing the St. Cloud players back in her own zone. And Madison Kaiser with this.
0: And, I mean, what a release. What Like, through a screen kind of just a little flick of the wrist i mean what do you what do you do as a goaltender on that one i uh, you know to, to their credit like you mentioned all three of the goals that were not empty netters that were scored and including the one on friday night all goals around the crease where minnesota had to work hard to really get to those areas of the ice they were all flashy pretty goals i mean it's not like they were like you said in years past where they were goals that beat a net minder that probably shouldn't have been in the back of the net that goal beats any netminder any given night through a screen with that release
2: yeah it's it's, it's unfortunate too because st cloud <clears throat> pardon me um you know they pride themselves off you know really protecting the house right and w- with the gophers you kind of feel like they were able to spread them out a little bit um and, and again you know no matter how well you defend no matter what structure you have I mean there was bodies around her Sometimes you just, you know, you you flick the risk and it's not like you're aiming there, right? Sometimes yeah. you're just letting it go and seeing if you can surprise the goaltender. Um, not taking him away from the goal for four there, because that's one hell of a shot. And as you mentioned, uh, for Sonny, a whole lot, not much you can do on that, especially when the play is coming. Uh, that's kind of a sharp angle, too. Sometimes you don't even expect the shot to come through. Not only was it pinpoint accurate, but it had some zip behind it, too. And that's just tough to where if you're expecting something else as a goaltender or maybe not expecting anything, especially with the traffic around her that's a dangerous uh, play there to come out from nowhere. So uh, like you said, hell of a shot. Uh, It's unfortunate that Sonny uh, couldn't get a glove on that one. But again, Gonna tip your cap to a great shot here and there. Yeah, great shot by Madison Kaiser for her
0: sixth of the season. Ella Huber at the eighteen forty four four mark would tally her second goal of the period on the empty net. Ava Lindsay would add another just half a minute later. These both at four on four. Uh Emma Gentry and Abby Murphy Quincy and a roughing minors and uh the gophers with two empty netters and Lucy Morgan stopping twenty-one of twenty-two take both games on the weekend.
1: Huber with a chance at an empty net. She had a couple of chances last night and Will not miss tonight, though. Minnesota here pretty much ices it. They in a 4-1 lead. LA Zipper. Crossed here for Ava Lindsay again. Empty net. And Ava Lindsay will give a go. And the Gophers now just
0: Like we mentioned, Nick, just unfortunately not able to solve this Gophers team. They certainly had multiple looks over the course of the weekend. Uh, it doesn't hurt them in the pairwise, as we talked about Uh You know, coming up the following weekend, a big series against Duluth. Uh, The Gophers, meanwhile, have Wisconsin, so things could get interesting there as well. A couple of primo matchups for teams uh, near to each other in the standings. Ohio State has St. Thomas, Bemidji, and Mankato in the bottom spots, or the other matchups upcoming. But um, men's team is off, women's team is not. They've lost seven straight. How do they make sure the streak stops at that, and how can they go on a four-game winning streak here?
2: Oh, boy. I I think, you know, when I go back to December and the run they had against Ohio State, um, against the Gophers, and then taking it could have easily taken two from Minnesota Duluth. They lost in overtime and then they beat Duluth handedly. It's tough because you want to be confident, but you've also lost seven straight. right? I think you have to somehow find a pill of amnesia and be able to wake up with a clean, clean head. I mean, that's really what I think it comes down to. And I think You got to play with playoff desperation here. Um, You know, the good news for St. Cloud is over the seven game stretches, yeah, there's probably an eight of ten. There's two of them that would love to have back that St. Thomas and Minnesota State. Uh, But again, Ohio State, number one team in the nation. Wisconsin, top five. Minnesota is also, you know, in the top 10. So these are, you're still in a pairwise position. So, You have to be able to shake it off somehow i think you just have to leave it all on the table this weekend and have to if there's anything you want to remember is that you can beat this minnesota duluth squad you have done it in the past and i think now if you're going to empty the tank you do it this weekend so i think you got to play with a bit of a chip on your shoulder leave it all on the rink and just kind of go from there i think you got to get a little bit greasy uh again the offense hasn't been there for saint cloud here in the second half of the season and when it's not coming to you, whether it's pretty passing or off the rush, you simplify your funnel pucks toward the net. You get bodies there. That's how Avery Farrell scored her goal. There was a lot of traffic in front. To me, that's how you do it. I think you have to simplify and I think you just have to give an all out effort this week and you're going to be on the road, too. So at the end of it, that's how I would do it. I'm curious as do you have any other ideas, Noah, because to me, it's not more. Yeah. Hockey is there, but I think more so when you're a seven game losing streak, it becomes more of a mental battle than it is maybe yeah. the X and O's.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, simplifying is the correct answer and just being able to be gritty and force plays towards the middle of the ice. Uh, you know, one of the things that Duluth does really well is they've always been good at managing the game. They've always been good at managing the pacing of the game, managing each zone effectively. Transitional game is going to be especially important when you're not doing well offensively. You start to get a little gun shy. You start to be a little bit hesitant about the way that you rush up the ice. Then all of a sudden, as a result, you put yourself in kind of a pseudo-defensive posture, and then suddenly you're chasing the game a little bit. So St. Cloud has to be the aggressor, has to put their foot on the gas. You know, and the other thing we kind of talked about on the men's side, being able to relax a little bit, you know, if the Huskies drop them both, it doesn't hurt you. Like, you're, you're not going anywhere. At worst, you're going to be fifth in the WCHA you're going to get Duluth in the first round. Whether or not it's going to be at home or on the road, that's the question we're here to answer. This is more about... Kind of building that confidence against this opponent, trying to do the right things to push you into three weeks down the road when you are ready for playoff time and it's for real, so to speak. Uh, I think just getting some of that momentum, you don't want to go into that situation where you've lost 10 of your last 12, you squeak by with a couple of victories against Bemidji State, who historically has played you well in the last matchup of the regular season as well. You don't want to leave anything to chance. You want to start doing things the right way. The results are going to be what they're going to be, but I I think, you know, yes, home ice is is on the line, but at the same time, more about you getting back to the way you played in the first half is on the line. I think that's a great answer. The results have not been there, but like you said, the the play has not been as lackluster as it was in the beginning of January. The beginning of January was disappointing. Since that time, the opponent level has gotten better. The Huskies have played better. You have to bring that energy level against another opponent that's above you right now and then finish the job against Bemidji State the following week. Um, I think it's going to be a a couple of really good matchups. In fact, the other thing that I was curious about too, just from a a purely – standing standpoint here just paying attention to the final couple weeks of the regular season should the huskies get the job done they would put themselves within three points of minnesota or excuse me two points of minnesota duluth heading into the final week of the regular season Um, and minnesota duluth has minnesota you know the Mm -hmm. the final week of the regular season so certainly doable to earn a home ice spot you've made it a little bit more difficult on yourself but a good showing this weekend i think would cap things off
2: yeah, it would. Uh, and again, you know, I think the focus here should be, as you mentioned, not necessarily fighting for home ice, but fighting to play better hockey. Because I think at the end of it, you're still in a paralyzed position to make an NCAA tournament. But I think that's the more important uh, chase at this moment. Yep. Uh, and more so, again, it's, you know, going back to the men's like you talk about the process. I know it's cliche, but you're in this position where you have to go back to that. I think you do have to sort of take a step back, simplify, understand what, you know, it, it's not about we're chasing a specific goal or whatnot. It's about let's get back to playing great hockey. How can we find an extra goal here or two? Because if you can do that, I think that goes a long way to springboard you for the next couple of weeks. So I'm not saying it's easy. Um, as as Adolski said, in his presser, you know, because I asked him essentially, like, how, how do you communicate to the girls that, you know, you're still playing well enough to win? It sucks that you're not getting rewarded for it. But how do you keep them focused, keep them being confident? And he goes, million-dollar question, right? Essentially, it's, you know, how do I convince these groups of players that, you know, it, it's, you know, we're, we're doing enough but also not enough and you know we can still hold our head high it, it's not easy and if it was that easy you know everybody would be doing it so um it, it's a tough spot for sure um you know but again i think the huskies could really benefit uh this weekend especially against an opponent they know they've been sort of chasing slash kind of going back and forth with yeah uh it's going to be you know the biggest weekend of the season coming up here next weekend up at amsoil so we'll see how they respond um i'd love to see a little bit more of a gritty affair too, you know. They they've been able to play that style. Uh, they played it with the Gophers early in the season, and again, it's been, you know, minus Saturday's game. It was three one goal games against Minnesota, um, and they were in every single one of them. So we'll see. Um, they're going to have to go out and you know show us that they're capable of, and and sort of forget that they're on a seven game winning streak and uh, try to see if they can turn the tides.
0: Yeah, and a couple of victories could change things in the pairwise as well, and maybe eke you into that final spot as well, uh, just to keep you a little bit safer. But should be a good one, of course, uh, episode 199 next week, and then when we hit episode 200, the women's season will be recapped for the regular season. They'll be ready for the playoffs. Speaking of Duluth, the men's team will have one more week left against the Bulldogs before their NCHC uh, quarterfinals as well. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den.
1: Timer come in, they score. Ripped in. A bomb from Pervix. So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores. Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Joy in for a chance to win. 22.6 22.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.